The Martian brought Ridley Scott back to science fiction. Well, we'll just ignore Prometheus, thank you. We've also got Matt Damon in a stacked cast in what is a surprisingly feel-good survival movie. So join us as we take a trip back to the Red Planet. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. Who is from Terra as in Earth. But we're not going to talk about Earth today. We're talking about Mars because we're talking about... Who cares about Earth? <laughs> we're talking about the Martian. As a science fiction movie podcast. Uh, this was actually a vote winner every month. The Patreon.com slash TV. Our patrons in the voting tier. Uh, get to get to vote between some movies and because we're working through the transformers franchise which is a miserable gauntlet of well misery <laughs> would we decide to put a vote with three movies we knew were good and the martian won <laughs> so uh excellent news for us so yeah we're going to talk about this is coming out in 2015 it's directed by ridley scott uh basic premise is simple there's a it's the near future there's a mission on mars and the crew are leaving in a rush because there's a storm. And one man, uh, Mark Whitney, played by Matt Damon, is left behind because they think he's dead. But he's not. And he has to try and survive on his own at their little base on Mars. In a, in a building that was not designed to last more than a month. And all of the efforts and problems that come up as he's trying to survive. And any attempt to maybe rescue him. That's what the movie is. So that's Cast away in space. It's... It's funny because this came out in 2015 and I remember thinking we had this little nice run for a couple of years where 2013 in October we had Gravity, 2014 in I think November we had Interstellar and then this was October 2015. So there was this like sort of like oh a slightly you know big budget but you know a thoughtful big budget sci-fi movie was coming out like every sort of autumn slash winter. Uh, for a few years and it was kind of nice uh, unfortunately the streak did not continue i don't think there was anything in 2016 that uh took that crown but when was uh fury road oh that was 2015 that was the summer though it was the same okay yeah yeah but i wouldn't count that though because they were all space movies that, that, that's kind of when my head what you know kind of links them all so they're all astronauty okay. i see you know maybe star trek beyond I think that was before this. That was after. That was 2016. Oh, there you go. It was probably summer. It's probably summer because it's a, <laughs> so it's a blockbustery movie. Uh, I mean, not that that really matters anymore. Like big movies get released all year round now. There's no off season, uh, mm-hmm. really. I mean, January's still a bit of a graveyard, but other than that, <laughs> there's no. There's been some gems, though, right? So I mean, yeah. I mean, there's been some. There's always exceptions, but typically, I would say January still when you don't expect any important things to come out it's always exceptions but i wouldn't i wouldn't guess on it but anyway uh so yes the martian will start spoiler free as we always do we'll give you warning before we get into spoilers we'll get into it uh i saw this in theaters when it came out i assume you did as well i did yeah well without further ado tara what do you think of the martian i think the martian is great i love it i love this film i was so happy when it came out because I I think the Prometheus still had such a stank on it. I was just I think I was done with Ridley Scott. Um, I think that and there was another movie that had come out that I was just like I don't 
I don't think Ridley Scott's for me anymore. And then this came out and I loved it. And I'm like, oh, I was wrong. Um, I also had the audiobook version, the Andy Weir novel of The Martian, um, which was like one of the best audiobooks I've ever listened to. Uh, I haven't listened to like a whole lot of audiobooks, but it was like one of those things that was 60% off at the Barnes and Noble I was walking through and went, okay, I've got a long commute for work and like listened to it three times. It was so good. And it's, it's just like the movie, but uh, maybe a little bit more details of things that happen. It's very sciencey. I understand. Like, there's a lot of researchers went into all the, the yeah, things that he does. It, I think the script is very well adapted to where, like, the emotion hits um, quite strongly in the book, even, and the comedy comes through through the character of Mark Watney, um, and I think it's just really, it's a really solid, fun movie about like um, about survival. So. Highly recommend, yeah. I like this movie a lot. Yeah, um, I like the movie quite a bit, and I kind of shared a similar sentiment in that it, it, it kind of came along and proved that Ridley Scott could still make a good movie because there was there was a little bit of doubt <laughs> after Prometheus and a few other things. It was like, it, can he even make a good movie anymore? And it kind of just fully formed my opinion of him, which is that if you give him a good script, he will go and turn it into a good movie, but he's not necessarily that good at picking a good script, which is why he has a lot of, you know, less than good movies as well but this obviously has a strong source obviously in the book and it's been adapted well by the the writers and you've got a pretty like far-reaching cast in this like it's actually it's kind of interesting because it's got a lot of big faces in it but it's also got a lot of faces in it who were just starting to become big when this came out so there's a lot of you know so i mean just to run down them here before we go any further so you got obviously matt damon is the is the lead right makes sense the captain of the the crew that was on the mission is Jessica Chastain. Uh, Kristen Wiggs in here is like the head of PR for NASA. Uh, Kate Mara is like the tech person on the crew. Uh, Jeff Daniels is the head of NASA, the director making the, the big decisions. Michael Pina is like the pilot of the space crew. Uh, Pena. P- Pena, sure. <laughs> what do you want from me? Pena sounds like, a, I don't know, it's Pena. Fine, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Sean Bean is like the mission control guy at NASA. Uh, Sebastian Stan's on the crew. He's uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what his job role is. He 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 does the risky things. He jumps out and does stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's the spacewalk guy. Yeah, uh, and then I meant to. I don't know who the German guy is, but he's like the uh, the chemist of the crew. Uh, you've got Chutel Ejifor, who's I can't remember what his exact role is, but he's he's done a lot of the NASA stuff as well. He's he's in mission control with them, sort of talking back and forth and dealing with things. He's kind of like the, li- the liaison between like all the different sections of NASA. Mm. Yeah, Benedict Wong's the sort of the head of like building the the sh- the, the rockets and yeah, shit like that. Yeah, he's like the JPL guy. Yeah, uh, Mackenzie Davis is here as like the the one who's. I mean, I don't think she's actually that important as her job role. She just happens to be the one in mission control that we see like type things in and talk to them and you know mm-hmm. discover stuff like yeah. she's just kind of you know one of them uh donald glover's got a small role in here as well so that's a lot of names that we just ran down because there's a lot of recognizable faces. like the the german guy on the ship is the only person out of that entire list i just gave you that i don't know in advance like everyone yeah. else is someone that we know yeah no it's a it's a pretty amazing cast and 
a really diverse cast too, which I, I you know, it's hard not to notice, but I, it fits so well in a in a movie like this too. It's like yeah, you have scientists from everywhere. Normally, when you watch movies about the American space program, it's a bunch of white guys with the, you know, the Republican haircut. <laughs> In like white iron shirts and stuff like that with glasses. Well, that's because they're usually like set it. in the sixties when the you know <laughs> go to the moon and the space race was. Active. Yeah, but I I appreciate a more modern day NASA showing how diverse it, it, it is and will be in a few years when maybe we would this mission to Mars would take place. Yeah, so you know, big cast, direction strong, everything on Mars looks really good. You know, you got all these great. big vistas. Yeah, special effects are great. Yeah. Uh, all that stuff's really solid, uh, as is the stuff with the ship in space and and all that other stuff. So that, all all that solid, it does have a sense of humor. I think that's the thing that surprised me when I saw it because I didn't really know mm-hmm. that going in. Is that it does have kind of this? He's funny. Yeah, he's he's a funny guy, and he does this thing where he's recording like vlogs for himself, uh, mainly just to keep himself sane more than anything else. Even if it is technically a record. Well, he doesn't have a volleyball to talk to. So. Yeah. So he's basically just trying to keep his spirits up, and that's kind of where a lot of the humor kind of comes from. Because you could easily do this as like a tense, like really depressing movie. Like it could easily be that if you wanted to go that route. Yeah, there are moments where you experience it, but it's just so that the hope feels even stronger. Yeah, which honestly is, if if I'm going to give some critiques, uh, maybe just keep it from being like, like exceptional as a movie because i really like it and i think it's a, a really good time the survival mm-hmm. stuff the, i love problem solving in movies so and that's what a lot of this is it's problem solving i think the information is conveyed in a way that you always understand the gist of what's happening as the audience you understand the risk of the thing that he's doing why mm-hmm. he needs to do it so on and so on the only the critiques i'd probably levy at it is that maybe it is maybe just a little too light-hearted like as a whole and that there's maybe some times where i could have maybe used it to feel a little bit more like jeopardy like part of me just always felt like there was never any real danger it is in a weird way which i, I think <laughs> I, I, no it's, it's too much optimism for you it's not no it's not about too much optimism it's just just this it's more of a tone thing like it just the like I, I, I would just like if like i felt a bit more of the jeopardy at times there's a couple of small moments don't get me wrong but by and large, it has a very kind of just, yeah, he's going to get through it attitude. That's kind of just the attitude that the movie has as a as a tone, and that's fine. But I, I just yeah, I, I mean, it's clearly I, trying to say that that's what you need to survive. Yeah, which which again, I'm not even saying it needs to change its point or change anything else. I, I just just sometimes make it just feel like the like we're in a graver space, maybe a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like. It's just the movie kind of bombards you with, uh, you know, kicking the legs out from under you constantly by when you're watching him go through all the all of his successes that, you know, immediately follow up in the next scene with uh, this catastrophe has now happened. And now he has to deal with this. You know, everything kind of just piles up uh, one at a time until you're you're just like, I I don't know, like the, the tension was always there for me because of it. Yeah, I, I just I think I could have just been a little more ten. Like I just I just never really felt like he was really in danger, and it's more of a meta thing because it's just the, yeah. it feels like a Hollywood movie that's too happy. Oh well, yeah, of course. You know, uh, which probably leads to my second critique is that I think a little bit of the third act does get a bit too Hollywood and like some of the things they do. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> sure. a bit get cheesy, a bit smaltzy. <laughs> uh the spectacle that's being pulled off it feels a bit more like it feels like so much of the movie 
even if it's not completely accurate, it does feel very grounded and like, okay, this is the science behind everything he's doing to survive, and here's the thought process, and here's all the solutions yeah. he's coming up with. And then you get to the last, like, 20 minutes of, like, these big moments happening, and it kind of feels yeah. like, oh, no, it's just, a, like, a, a movie. <laughs> no, it's just a movie. There's no... I mean, I do find myself holding <laughs> my breath when I watch it, but I agree that everything else felt so grounded up until this point where you're just like, I, I don't know if I buy this exactly what's happening. Mm. It feels a little too spectacular. And the funny thing is, is that as I'm watching that last part of the movie, I was kind of thinking, like, they almost introduced and maybe this is more a critique of the book than the movie per se, but it's almost like they introduced an extra couple of problems towards the end. I kind of felt like this would actually just be more feel more grounded if you just didn't introduce that problem because it still feels like it was hard to do the basic thing. Yeah. But you introduce these extra things where they're making these big choices, and I'm like, I get why you're doing it, but the movie's already over two hours at this point. Yeah, I don't know if we need. Another I do remember thing. the book having more things that he had to oh, deal God. with. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a scene where he gets like, you know, stuck in a crater for a while. <laughs> like, no, not this. Yeah, and that makes sense that they streamlined it a bit for for yeah. a movie. That, that, that makes complete sense. So. Yeah, but I mean, that's basically the extent of my, like, notes to say, like, here's things that I could I could see being improved a little bit. But by and large, I do like the optimism of the movie, as much as mm-hmm. you're trying to paint me as a cynical asshole who does not enjoy I that. Know that I, I don't know that you need my help <laughs> with that. No, I, I, I think you're painting me in a light. I actually really like the optimism of it, because a big part of the movie is that... Because the entire premise of the movie is effectively how many people can come together to help save one person. That That's the mm-hmm. fundamental feeling that I left this movie with. And that part is very good. And that part is uh, the heart of the film is what makes it work. It's, you know, different countries helping. It's all the different people at NASA helping and try to think of a solution. There's a very feel-good feeling to all of that. Uh, and yeah. I, th- I think that, that, I don't think I would remove that. I, I, I wouldn't dare remove that. I think that's what makes the whole thing work. But, um... Yeah, I just you know, there's sometimes where it kind of feels like he gets into these predicaments and like, oh yeah, technically we're we're having this moment. Technically, he's trying to figure this thing out, but I just like, oh, I'm watching a movie starring Matt Damon. He'll be fine. Like that, you know, I, there's a little <laughs> bit of that. Feeling. Like I, I almost wonder, even though he's very good in the movie, I almost wonder if like casting like an unknown who I, I didn't know would actually be even better because he'd just be a guy. Do you, do you also think it's strange that he is playing the part that he played at Interstellar? Which is the the likable part? <laughs> We're still Matt Damon, an astronaut, and stranded in space. <laughs> I mean, everyone made that joke when this movie came out. Well, I know, but like, it, it's not like the movies were that far apart from each other. So I, it's a little bit when you're watching it, like, um, you know, it's hard to disassociate the two parts. No, he's in a similar predicament. He's a very different character, though. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not even. I mean, he's like he's a completely different personality. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't want to say too yeah. much. I don't want to like spoil Interstellar. <laughs> That's not like you, Tara. <laughs> you like spoiling movies, especially Christopher well, Nolan movies. Spoiler, we're down the spoiler section. Just because we went to spoiler section for this movie doesn't mean the spoilers are open in every movie ever made. That's not how it works. We've been doing this for four years. I figured you'd know how it works by now. No, I, you've still not learned how it works. I'm trying to tell you how it works, and you're refusing to listen to me. <laughs> Are we ready for spoilers so I can talk about Interstellar? <laughs> We're not talking about Interstellar. Stop it. 
the happening. Uh, yeah. So, um, no, the, the movie's very good. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I have a couple of, couple of critiques, but like, honestly, it is a very t- tight film. Uh, the problems are fun to watch them solve. The the information is always conveyed very well, and yeah, it's got it's got a strong, dependable cast kind of helping carry the whole thing. And it's a, it's, yeah. it's at times a very pretty movie. Uh, it also uses music quite well. Obviously, it's got a score, but it also has kind of a, a running gag of 70s disco music because mm-hmm. the joke is is that the captain, uh, that's all that was like left in the station because that's what her music taste was. And so it kind of becomes a soundtrack to the movie. Even when he's not actively listening to it in the scenes, they'll still use like, uh, you know, an ABBA song or something mm-hmm. at, at key moments. It's very fun. It's hard not to like have a good time when disco yeah. music is playing you know it's time to party um which is another thing that makes it feel very not ridley scott to me like his movies aren't fun <laughs> you know <laughs> this movie has comedy and it's fun i'm just trying to think of as a ridley scott movie that i would say is definitely fun and I'm, the most I, fun is maybe thelma and louise <laughs> and I'm a drawn pretty up. dark film <laughs> i want to say maybe match stick men but it's been a while since i watched that but yeah, yeah. I, I think you're just saying that because Sam Rockwell's in it. He's a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> also, Nick Cage. What's not fun about Nick Cage? <laughs> yeah, he's he's pretty fun. <laughs> he's, he's he's an erratic kind of fun. He's a, he's a you know he may start chewing the scenery at any moment kind of fun. But oh yeah, he's a fuse box for sure. Fun all the same. Yeah, I you know it's one of those things where I I do think the heart and the optimism is very important to and this idea that he has to keep up his spirits and not let himself go insane with cabin fever and loneliness by talking to himself by talking things out by keeping a sense of humor i think there's a lot of positive messages like if anything i almost wish that it sort of went more into that and sort of was like hey this is a movie about mental health and we're using Mm -hmm. this extreme scenario like this ultra absurd he's literally on a planet on his own to explore the feeling of loneliness and obviously it is kind of like doing that but like i almost wish it went even like deeper into like and like yeah let's make it up like completely about that but yeah you know. i mean plus it's hard not to you know think about everybody else that's watching him and wants to help him because he's not ready to give up so like we can't abandon him like whatever it takes you know yeah. he's inspiring everybody else to to spend all the money and resources to save this one guy who against all odds you know yeah uh, I mean, the poster is literally his face with just the words "bring him home," like over the top <laughs> of him. Like that—that's what the the poster looks like. Another saving Private Ryan callback. <laughs> I always forget that he's the titular Ryan and saving Private <laughs> Ryan. Oh shoot, we weren't in spoilers. That's not—that's not—it's not a spoiler. <laughs> Surprise, Matt Damon is in a lot of films, and it's always a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, but that was before he was like well-known matt damon i i mean i think he'd done like good bull hunting already by that point but yeah like, yeah no he was he was known for sure but he wasn't like you know it was it was pre-born he, was, he wasn't born yet which is where he, i feel like he kind of crossed over into like well-known movie star yeah i suppose oh he was doing a lot of dramas did the uh oh what's the one i watched school ties with brendan fraser he was. The, he did that one. I'll take your word no. for it. I've not seen it. It was good. Not seen good it. movie. Uh. So. Yeah. All right. We'll get into spoilers then. If you. If you. If you so. If you're so inclined to to, to dive into the the movie. Yes. 
So in Interstellar. Oh, shut Matt up. Damon. Shut up. <laughs> He's a secret asshole. Why, 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 why are you spoiling? I mean, it's a movie that most people probably have seen if they're watching a what will probably well, we, be. We told them the spoilers were coming for Interstellar. Oh, in this case, yes, they had an idea that you might be bad. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, so, um, yeah, the the movie like it does a smart thing right at the start where. It doesn't take a lot of time before the storm hits and like they're making the choices to leave right early, but then they were supposed to. Um, but you know, in that five minutes before the storm hits, you just get enough of the interactions with the the crew with Matt Damon that they all feel friendly. They're joking. There's like a moment where, like, the captain says, "I oh, cut the cut the comms off so they can't talk to each other because they're they're, <laughs> they're you know they're just they're, they're joking around. We want to focus on what we're doing here." And it just, it gives you a kind of a friendly vibe and like a family kind of vibe, which plays in later when we get to the point where he's stranded here and they're finding out about it and we, you know, it's like, okay. Because it, it, yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, I do, I have, I have one very specific critique of a very specific moment right near the end that I, I will bring up when we get there. Okay. I don't love Jessica Chastain in this role. <gasps> Why? I mean, I think she's a great actress. I don't think she's very good in this. I love how you kept this until the spoilers. You could have said this before. And uh, you're like, Peter's, a, uh, Peter's the negative one. He's got the critiques. And you're like, I'm all happy. <laughs> I'm Little Miss Sunshine. And as soon as the spoiler warning goes up where some people might not be around anymore, you're like, I hate that bitch. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> no, I, I like Jessica Chastain a lot. I just don't think she's very good in this. I don't know. Like, some of her line deliveries... Um, Remind me of like ugh, Anne Hathaway or something. <laughs> it was like uh, I, I don't know. I found her line readings kind of bad oh, <laughs> in some of the moments. We're not watching Interstellar. Stop bringing up things about Interstellar. <laughs> She's fine in Interstellar. <laughs> Jessica Chastain. Is. Yeah, for a second it took me to realize that she was also in Interstellar because I was too busy thinking of Anne Hathaway in Interstellar. I was like, yes, you're right, she is also in Interstellar. <laughs> uh, I think that's what you meant. <laughs> yeah, we have yeah we have two Interstellar actors in this. That's yeah, that's weird. Um, but hey, okay, <laughs> why not? Mm-hmm. So no, but it sets up that they they they, they have they have a good r- repertoire. There's some camaraderie. There's joking around that stuff. And then the storm hits and like they have to make this choice to leave and they think he's dead. And they they make this very clear is that Yeah. Has they the, really try. The the, the the thing in his suit that tells him that he's got life signs gets hit with a you know, with a rock or something. And so to them, there's no life signs. To them it's like he's probably dead. After he's hit with some debris, he's probably dead because there's no signs that he's alive. He's not responding, he's unconscious. So Jessica Chastain yeah. tries to look, but she doesn't, you know, eventually it's like, we have to well, go. their visibility is like zero, you know? Yeah, they, they can't, can't see, they, yeah. they can barely see anything in front of them because of the storm. The storm has cut out the sun. And there's a very so thick. interesting structure to this movie that once they leave, and we're just with Matt Damon, we spend like 20, 30 minutes with just Matt Damon. We would never cut away to Earth. And then we start to bring in Earth a little bit, and we sort of like jump between Matt Damon and Earth, and then... It's not until they actually go to tell the crew of the ship that he's alive, because they make the, a choice early on not to tell them, because they want them to be focused and not to feel guilty, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
So we don't actually go back to the ship with the, and see the crew again until maybe like an hour out of the movie. It's like quite far in before we see them yeah. again. And it's a really interesting structure because when you get towards the back half of the movie, it almost feels that Matt Damon is a side character and we're jumping around all the people on Earth and the ship more than we are him for like a, a portion yeah. towards the end. So it's a really interesting like change of focus as we go through different parts of the story. Yeah, and the last bit is where, you know, I was saying that there, there's more stuff that happens in the book. Like, when he's doing that long journey in just the, the rover, like he, he gets stuck in a crater uh-huh. and, like, can't get out. And, and, you know, so there's more, you know, trials and turmoil that happens to him in that third act that's in this movie. But I think because they wanted to take the focus off of Matt Damon and focus on the crew and their mission to save him and their decision to save him, I think that's, like, more important. I think it's so, a pacing thing as well, where yeah. you start off slower with just him as he's figuring things out, but as the movies start jumping around more, all these characters that it spent time introducing who are in the different roles at NASA and whatever and doing all the stuff, it's like it's almost like the movie's ramping up and how quickly it's cutting around as the movie goes on. So it's like a it's like a momentum thing almost, like, you know, velocity mm-hmm. is to keep bringing up in the movie. Uh, so very nice. There's a lot of that going on. Come on, right. Like, scientists don't say fast, okay? They told me that in the movie. They don't use it's the word true. fast. They only use it if uh, if they want you to sound cool. Yes. Uh, and he does like the sound of the fastest man in space. Like, he, he's, he is into that. Yeah. So. It's hard not to like Mark. He he could be a successful, like, YouTuber. He <laughs> could be, yes. Uh, so, he's there on his own... He's he's like he has to survey. Okay, I'm here. He stitches himself up because he's got a wound. But he he he's like, okay, well, wh- what happens now? So he starts counting his food. Well, I need food. Yeah, he starts counting <laughs> his. Water. Yeah, he starts counting his food, and he's like, okay, I have X number of days because that's the. So we had redundancies for like six people to last like twice as long, and it's just me, so it'll last this time. If I ration it, it'll last even a little bit longer. But it's like. You know, obviously these missions are planned way out in advance, and this is like Ares three, and he knows when Force coming. He's like, "That's not coming for four years. I need to survive four years." You know, if right now he he's under the impression that he'll never like get help from NASA, so he's like, "I need to live on my own here for four years." And you know, he's trying to figure things out. He's trying to, how do I do this? And of course, he goes for a shit, and something clicks. <laughs> <laughs> Just like most people, either while pooping or in the shower. Yes, but usually when you're shitting and you have a great idea, it, the shit itself it is not instrumental to, it. to the, the plan <laughs> that you've come up with. Uh, basically, his idea is to use the small amount of potatoes they have to grow more potatoes, which I'll be honest, like I don't know anything about you know farming or anything like that. I didn't realize that the potatoes themselves would just act as seeds. That was actually something yeah. I learned from this movie because I'm like, oh, that's how you plant a potato. Yeah, you know how you if you leave potatoes too long and they start to sprout, they sprout more potato plants. That fast, that genuinely did not know. Yeah, that. so you can literally like cut a potato in half, grow it, and eat the other half. Yeah, which is very convenient for his survival. Yes, and why it's the world's most perfect food. It's, it's very versatile as well. You can do a lot with it. Uh, Love potatoes. So yeah, we get this big like sequence of him like collecting all the shit from the <laughs> from the the what do you call it the uh, the, 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 the reclamator. The, yes, the the <laughs> container that has all the vacuum sealed packets of shit. Uh, yeah. So and it's hard not to get, find some humor in him like opening these up and he's trying to like con- you know 
He's trying to block the smell yeah. the best he he's can. He's got, like, but... the, the earplugs stuffed in his nostrils, <laughs> and he's still, like, unable to keep himself from vomiting. Oh, of course. It's nasty. And it's, it's been vacuum sealed as well, so it's not like the smell's well, he... escaped. It's like... No, but to use his fertilizer, he's got to, like, you know, re-moisturize or re-moisten it so it gets all sloppy again. <laughs> oh. He's, like, stirring this. He's literally stirring shit at one point. Like that, and that's... it's his own, so to avoid any, like, you know, bacteria transfer that's bad for him, I suppose. He's like, he's sticking to his own poop. Is he? I thought he was just nails as well. Maybe eventually, but I think he, like, because they were organized by names of who took the shit. Because he opened, he opens, <laughs> he opens someone else and says, oh, Jesus, you know, whatever the name was. Oh, maybe I missed it. I thought, I yeah. thought it was I... crucial for him to, to only use his own. I don't think so. I think, I think he was, all the poop was equal. I, I think it, uh... I don't think fertilizers, it fertilizers. Yeah. Uh, so he has to collect dirt. And they actually, I, I noticed watching it this time because I've seen it before, is that the opening scene uh, when they're doing their thing before the storm hits, he actually <laughs> finds some soft dirt. And that's actually a little setup. He knows where to find some dirt that he could maybe use to grow something. So it's like... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because uh, you have to have um, all sorts of different types of, uh, like, size of grains in order to create, like, uh, a topsoil, mm. I think it has to be a mixture of different types of sizes of grains for it to be successful. I think, if I remember from my geology classes. <laughs> I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know about any of this, but but that, that's kind of partly what the, the movie's so good at is because I've, I've heard it compared to the book as well. And I, 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 maybe you can correct me because you've listened to the audiobook, but I've heard it's been the a movie, while, but maybe the movie does like more of a job of like you know making the information easy to consume like you know like the book's like really techy compa- comparatively because you're reading it so that it goes into like more detail and it's a bit more maybe on the nasa side of things yeah. not not so much i remember if i recall on the the poop on the <laughs> uh, the what what new side of it but but maybe because he was a botanist and mm. that kind of stuff i don't think i would have registered but like oh it sounds sounds sciencey enough but yeah but I know that Andy Weir, like, contacted, like, he had help from, like, JPL scientists to write the book. Yeah. A lot of so, consulting. But, yeah, this is, this, this, like I say, like, it's this problem-solving survival movie where he keeps, like, okay, I have to figure out how to, you know, keep the water going. I need to figure out how to uh, get, you know, power again. And, keep, you know, he's got, he's got solar panels, of course, which are <laughs> invaluable. He has to clean them all over and uh, get them working. But he also has to, like, okay, I've got this rover, I have to, like, travel to where this next ship's going to land, which, obviously, there's no reason why it has to be that close, so it's, like, a good distance away. So, he's like, okay, I'm going to have to try and figure out how to do this. He ends up digging up the like, the isotope that's really radioactive, just, <laughs> just so he can power, because that, that's the thing, he does a test where it's, like, he has to shut down the battery to recharge in the truck, but to do that, and I say truck, the rover, uh... It means that there's no life support on or no heating specifically so he's like shit like i can't last long enough like this to to do this so he's he's the fuel source so it's like okay here's the solution it wasn't meant for this purpose and there's a lot of that and that's the other thing there's a lot of duct tape yeah <laughs> duct tape I, does a lot in this movie <laughs> have you ever been so cold like outside that like your your face starts to freeze as you're talking and all your words come out weird I grew up in Canada, so like I've definitely experienced that. <laughs> I felt so bad for him when he was in the rover with the without any heat. 
Like, I know how cold that is. Or at least I know the threshold that it takes to get there, mm. to that point. He's probably past it, even. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, Mars is a cruel irony, because it looks like a hot planet, doesn't it? Because it's... She's full of iron, I guess. Yeah, because oh. it's orange and red, it looks, it looks, uh, it look, you, you'd think it would be warm, but it's not, it's freezing. Which makes sense, because it's further away from the sun, so obviously it's cold, but still. Yeah. Um... <laughs> and there's no atmosphere. Uh... Yeah. To trap, to trap greenhouse gases. Is there no atmosphere at all? Well, no, there is a slight atmosphere, but yeah, not... No, there's no ozone layer for yeah, but there is like some to get trapped. There, there is gases in the air. Obviously, not ones we can breathe, but there's the ones that can es- that um can't escape the gravity of Mars are there. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, no, it's it's uh like watching him like sort of reach the next problem and explain his thought process is entertaining. You know, it's it's presented in a way, and when you get to the point where he's getting deeper into it and he's obviously he's dealing with the potatoes that one grows and it's like it's, he's excited to actually harvest and you know have some potatoes and we're seeing like he literally just cooks them in his fancy like oven and just like bites into them and it, it looks so hot but yeah. I, I, honestly <laughs> i think we all feel for him when his ketchup runs out because oh. i'm like because potatoes are great but you do kind of need you know something to just give them a bit of flavor <laughs> I mean, the fact that you used crushed Vicodin is pretty funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> this will make it easier. <laughs> I, lo- I love how he does it, and then he does like a pause as, as he eats it, and then he explains why he's doing it. He just says it without... Because he doesn't explain the ketchup. It's like a punchline at the end, where he's like, it's been seven days since I ran out of ketchup. <laughs> like, I like that he has to resort to drugs because he ran out of ketchup, though. Like, jo- I jo- need something to get through the day. Honestly... <laughs> knowing that line was coming there's this earlier scene like in one of the montages because there's many montages of him like doing stuff in this one of the montages you see him pouring ketchup into like a bowl for dipping his potatoes and he's like just like squeezing it and he's doing like a big big pool of ketchup and i'm like dude you could have rationed this for way longer you are wasting so much ketchup he did it to himself that's all i'm saying he did yeah. Like, so much in this movie is not his fault, right? It's all just happenstance, it's natural disaster stuff, right? But him running out of ketchup when he did is his fault. He did not He did not <laughs> divvy it up correctly. Yeah. He should have just done a, just a slight smear yeah. for each bite. A little dab for each bite, that's all he needed. But he's, yeah. you know, so... You got too greedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, obviously, when the movie starts really getting, like, momentum and fun is when they notice on Earth that, wait a minute, stuff's moving down on Mars. Like, you know, like there's a little, you know, the first time we see Trill Ledger for you, he's asking for the satellite to look at some, look at the site to see what's there, to see what supplies they can still use maybe in a future mission. And sure enough, it's uh, Mackenzie Davis who goes to look and is like, wait a minute, the rover's moving around and shit. Holy shit, he's alive. So they have no communication. Mark has no idea they know he's alive. Maybe he can mm-hmm. guess. Maybe he, he could have assumed that at some point. But... We have this thing where they're on Earth trying to like think, well, okay, what's the possibilities here? What can we do with him? Is he screwed? How much food does he have? They start asking the and it's and it helps explain some of the things that Mark's already explained some of, where they explain the other side of it. They they set up where the, the deadlines are, when we need to have things done by. And we get yeah. introduced to so many characters through all this. Um Yeah, so. and it's a it's a PR nightmare, right? Like we are mm. Our crew got to Mars and they left a guy there. It looks, it looks bad, you know, or if you're just looking at it from that perspective, you know, from like PR perspective, it's like, 
how do we make this good well we gotta go rescue him now and uh and it's uh everything is public access right so they can't they can't hide any of this they can't yeah. hide it from the public at all so they have to come out right away and say like yeah he's alive and he's alone on mars for an indeterminate amount of time until we find a way to rescue him well so i think jeff daniel's character is kind of interesting because there's a couple of moments where you think he's almost coming across as like just this cold-hearted guy but i feel like he always has a good reason for every time he's making like a tough decision and every time he's like not just giving in to like what the others want like because he even says a couple of times in the movie that this whole thing is publicly funded. This is not something the government funds. So they have to constantly justify why they spend all the money they do on doing these missions. And, like, protecting that is actually important. And, like, he doesn't want the public opinion to turn against NASA because then that means we can't do this work anymore. And we all agree it's important. So that's, like, an element to it. Like, early on before they know he's alive, when um, Aegifor's trying to convince him to, like, look, just take some photos of the, the thing. Like, have a satellite yeah. move over and look at it. Um he's like no we can't do that for this reason that reason that we, we don't want pictures of his dead body like on the news or anything like that we'll, and, we'll have to wait for the dust to cover it before yeah. we can actually <laughs> and ejfor has to sort of frame it in a way he's like yeah but if we go and look for it and we find him you can sell it as we're going to like the, this next mission part of this next mission to get approval on it is to bring him like to bring his body home so we can give him a proper burial yeah they say he he won't decompose because of the lack of oxygen so like he'll just stay uh, preserved on Mars. yeah uh and it's like okay that, that that sells it to jeff daniels and he's like okay all right have a look then right it's actually that it's the moment in the book that it, the audiobook that makes me cry like every single time i heard it and i i gave the audiobook to other people to listen to and they all confirm the same thing happened is the moment they realize that the changes are happening on the surface of Mars because he's alive and he's alone and someone has a response of, Oh God. And it's just, it delivered so well. It's such a great emotional beat that even an audiobook of it can make you cry. Cause it, it is like a huge moment of, you know, everyone suddenly becomes afraid for him because they know how dire a situation is uh, yeah th this uh, you know unless they can pull off a miracle which ultimately is a movie so they're going to but <laughs> this Spoiled. this is yeah. worse than death like him living there alone until he dies slowly of starvation or whatever it may be yeah is a worse fate than whatever just dying he runs out of first yeah. yeah so that that is you know the, the right to feel kind of sad about this and you know they make this choice to uh not tell the crew although sean bean's introduced at this point and he wants to tell the crew because they have a right to know and i will say there's a couple of characters who i do think are a little one note and i think sean bean's character is one of them where he he kind of i think he's there just for a lord of the rings joke honestly <laughs> but he's not in that scene though is he oh yeah he is he explains the council of elrond to them <laughs> okay I, I, okay i don't remember that but anyway um he he is introduced and right from the get-go his character is they deserve a right to know you know damn whatever choices you want to make like this isn't the right thing and that's just all he ever is throughout the rest of the movie and don't get me wrong like, there's nothing wrong with that per se but he there's never like he never like second guesses himself he never you know he's, he's just there to be like the contrarian voice to jeff daniels pretty much and that's all he is uh, the the yeah. other character that I think is a little undercooked, even though I like the actor a lot, is uh, Donald Glover's character. He's a little, he's the quirky scientist guy who yeah. figures things out, and that's all he really is too. You know, 
um like his his introduction might be the weakest scene of the movie because it's just like ah he's like it's played for comedy a lot too yeah and the comedy doesn't always work for me yeah in his stuff yeah the, cause the comedy with mark uh always works like that always lands yeah it's strong yeah yeah and even with he's the just other like crew. a good boy character doing like really dad joke stuff you know for the most part and it works yeah like posing for his photo and he does the fonz pose because he doesn't know what to do yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cut to Kristen Wiig complaining that she can't use this stupid photo of him posing as the fonts. I'm like, I don't know. That might humanize him. People might think that's funny. But who, who am I to question the PR person? I don't know. Uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's like once they sort of do this, so there's this kind of like rush to like, okay, the stuff on Earth is like, okay, how can we get something to him to help? So they start planning to send him supplies, right? Launching a rocket that can get him supplies and I think they said nine months was the, the, the time or something like that. And it's like, okay, he has to, that means he has to have food up this day. But the other big thing, obviously, they want to do is deal with communication. We can't communicate with him because all the comms there aren't working. So Matt Damon, or I should say Mark, like ultimately has this idea is and Chiotel Ejiofor kind of figures out where he's going. He goes to find Pathfinder and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we can use this to communicate. And at first, all it is is like the camera turning, and that's all they've got. So they'll they'll point to yes, point to no, and they start getting some communication that way. Uh, but then eventually, it gets to a point where they can actually literally text because he hooks it into the the rover's computer or something, and they they can do it that way. Uh, but then they actually start having conversations. But by the time you get to the point where he can just say a sentence to them via text, it's like. Oh God, we've come, we've come a long way because yeah, where they're he's actually like everyone's typing to him and they're having a back and forth chat. Although I think he says it says it, it takes like thirty four, it wasn't hours, right? It was minutes to get to him or something. Yeah, for back and forth. Yeah, because the uh, later on, like even the as the radio signals later on, they say it's twenty four minutes for a signal like to go go one direction or the other. Um, so you imagine. This is probably the same. I don't imagine the text is any quicker because it's not. It's not about the size of data. It's just that's just how long it takes to to move that distance. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but obviously it's edited in a way where it feels that like they're having a a live back and a forth. back and forth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but that that's fine. That's just that's just movie license, so that it can. I mean, imagine like they had to like oh we have to sell the time between every, you know, every question and answer. You know, like it would take ages. <laughs> <laughs> the the eight hour cut uh, the Martian that really <laughs> sells those times. The, the one that we need, yeah. <laughs> um, so no, they keep communicating. Uh, and obviously you have uh, you know, some humor from this where where uh, Mark will, will swear and they'll say, "Watch your language," because it's right after they tell him the crew doesn't know that he's alive. Mm-hmm. And he'll drop some f bombs, and when they say, "Please With don't swear," yeah. <laughs> please don't swear, Mark. This is all public record. And then you don't see what he says next, but I'm assuming there was like some f bombs and c bombs and maybe <laughs> some some other. I think somebody um, covers their mouth in shock. Yeah, from what they're reading. I I think it's Kristen Wiig who does that. Probably the PR woman. Yeah. yeah, she's like, oh, how, do, how do how do I spin this? <laughs> oh dear. Um, I, think it, I think it is a PG thirteen movie also, so all the f bombs are like. Yeah, yeah. You can't read them, and like when he actually starts shouting, we're seeing it from outside of the pod he's in, looking in. So, well, to be fair, you, you don't hear anything. As a PG thirteen, <laughs> they are allowed one proper f bomb, which I don't think they use. I think they just 
uh, I don't know. Maybe all the implied f bombs were like uh, count as one. <laughs> honestly, I don't think it, the movie suffers for it. Though. I don't think you need f bombs no, in this. No, no, no. It, you know, the movie. I just noticed when it. you. I just noticed that you don't actually get to see them or hear them. So it's yeah. like, oh yeah, PG thirteen. The computer automatically senses them and the messages. Yes. That's <laughs> uh, a little amusing, but. Uh, no, so so you have this back and forth. You have them problem solving and like, okay, this is where you need the food to last. Uh, they're 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 solving these problems with it. Like uh, one of the things, and this is one of these things where they all sort of give like Jeff Daniels a look when he says this because they're like, okay, we have to get the food launched by this day, so it makes it in this you know by this time, yada yada yada. And a lot of this movie, like one of the running gags is just B, uh, B. D. Wong just like a bad not gaining any sleep. Yeah, well, it's just it's just bad Wong reacting to like. Uh, a new deadline. A new deadline. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is where it takes 90 days. I need it in 25. He's like... <gasps> yeah, he's not Scotty. Yeah, and, and then he, he looks at his... Because he's got his team like, all behind the computer for the call. And he just looks at them and the team are all like, no, no, we look, no. <laughs> like, we literally can't do that. It's physically impossible. It's like, well, do something. But Jeff Daniels makes this decision where he's like, okay, can we save any time? And they start like cutting away days at things like that. And he's like, 10 days for inspection and safety checks. How often do we actually find something that's an issue when we do these? And they're like, 1 in 20. And he's like, look, it's not a manned five, mission for a start. Like 5%? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, think, I think we'd see this as an evil decision if there was people on the ship, but it's not. It's like a, it's just a probe, right? It's just a, you know, it's just supplies. Yeah. So he's like, look, we take the risk and he, we actually might get the food to him in time or he doesn't get anything. Like, I think he makes the right call. If I, you know, if, I, if I'm... Yes, but, I mean, he ends up having to, like, find a way to stretch out the rations anyway. So, like, an extra 10 days seems, like, a lot better than what he actually went through. Yeah, no, no. That's, that, that is true. That is true. But it's the sort of thing where they're, tr they're trying to, like, not get to that point, right? So... Yeah. The, the goalposts move. Yeah, the goalposts yeah. keep moving because things keep getting worse. And they have to, like, just dig in and okay we just have to make do with the even worse situation we have now uh of course he says okay this is all going to go fine except this is all assuming nothing goes wrong and that's when we cut to matt damon and that's when we get the storm that caught or not a storm but like there's a, a a leak in the airlock and it blows the airlock uh and killing it, all the uh all the crops yeah all the crops just freeze they're they're gone and but honestly, one of my favorite like moments when I said that I, I think the movie could have used more like peril. I think my favorite moment of peril that is just a really beautiful moment is after he's like tarped up the hole and like repressurized the uh, the base. There's a yeah. storm and he's just sitting there and you can just hear this tarp going back and forth. And it's and like every time he's like, "Do it, I die now? Yeah, I'm die right now." <laughs> Literally, at any moment, if there's a tear in that tarp, because he's not got a suit on he will just die. Like, that's it. It's yeah. over. That's how much, like, sort of just, you know, on a wire he is at all times. Because there's a moment right at the start when he's on his own where he's looking at, like, the oxygen reading for the base and it's keep, it keeps going down and he's hoping it'll, it'll eventually stabilize. But he's just watching because he's like, if this doesn't happen, I'm dead. So there's a lot of those little moments where he's like, this has to work or I'm just dead. And that's just how yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, but... But yeah, it's, it's probably one of the, it's probably maybe the best moment of the movie. Honestly, is him sitting it, listening yeah, to that. Yeah, it's very scary. I remember watching it in the theater too, and like every time, I just felt so bad for him, you know, because he had been through so much and he lost so much, and then like on top of that, he 
at this point on, he, like any moment, he could die. This, yeah. And then, so fitting into the theme of the movie, which is all these people coming together, it's around this point where we cut to like the head of the China space program, and they're yeah. like, you know, they've basically missed their window. They don't have another rocket in time, but we've got one sitting here that could launch. Like, do we help them? And it's this thing where, like, okay, China's space program is going to step in and collaborate with NASA. Because they're also inspired by him. Like, they yeah. want, he's, he's fighting for survival. It's just a good look. You know, everybody <laughs> wants to come together. Good PR. Uh, <laughs> so yeah uh, yeah so so they, they're working together they're they're launching these supplies um but obviously with mark's food being destroyed shit he can't last long enough for all this stuff like he, he's, mm-hmm. he's he's doomed basically so it's around after so, i mean again the order of events here are a little murky because it's hard to remember them all but uh you know around after they start texting he's allowed to like text the crew or in fact just before that uh, they're told that he's alive because Mark insists tell them they should know, uh, and yeah. this is the thing: he's not t- saying tell them because I want them to be guilty. He's like tell them because I want them to know it's not their fault. Like that's the you know the key thing. Yeah, and he's enraged that they don't know yet. Yeah. Oh, he's pissed. Yeah. This is where it cuts to the outside shot. You can just see him swearing behind the window. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's a, he's very upset. He's very upset. Yes. Apparently, that was the wrong decision to tell to wait. Also, like, you know, they think their friend is dead. Yeah, yeah. And this is the first time you see them, really, is when we cut to them when they're about to get this this message from Sean Bean saying, like, yeah. hey. Which Especially by th- since they're working so hard to try to save him, to come up with plans to help him, to get to him. Mm. So, like, letting the crew know that he's alive and they're working on it, you know, I think would would have been good. Yeah, ultimately. yeah. Uh, also, just to point out here, Sean Bean does not die in this movie just uh throwing that out there as a casual yeah spoiler <laughs> spoiler sean bean didn't die <laughs> uh spoilers for every other sean bean movie yeah um so yeah doll glover's introduced and he comes up with this this crazy plan uh to but he's very quirky as a character you know he wakes up he sleeps in his office at work and uh like he, isn't, he ignores his boss he's a very quirky character and I, I think the reason why his character sticks out as being a little like thin to me is that he feels like he's out of a different movie that has a quirky character who explains things it, it seems like he they're trying to be like oh the nasa scientists are made out of, of people who have weird social anxieties or personalities so we have to like put that all into this character to mm. for that sort of cliched representation yeah, I, I thought I think it's because the so the scene where he explains his plan that that, that would save him quicker is is been it's, the, the plan is basically that instead of like coming home, the ship would slingshot around the Earth, pick up some supplies from a rocket in the way past, so they wouldn't have to go all the way to the planet on their own. They'd just go up to the ship, and then they'd use that momentum to get back much quicker than any other ship could get to him, and saving them. Yeah, at, they're already in space. Yeah. yeah. Save, saving him at around it's in the early 500 sols because the movie keeps going up saying sol you know 52 sol 105 yeah. uh, uh correct me if i'm i don't know if i noticed this actually is the sol number is that a, an earth day on mars or is that a martian day i believe it's a martian day it's a martian day okay that makes sense because i wasn't i wasn't sure but that, ma- that makes sense um because Mar- sol represents the sun and i yeah. think it's just how long it takes for the sun Mars, I, I, for rotation on Mars, I'm not sure exactly though. Because if I'm this is just something I think I'm remembering from school. Uh, a Mars day is slightly shorter than Earth. I want to say. Oh, 
I don't remember. It's been a while <laughs> since I've taken any space courses. <laughs> I'm just, Which I did take quite a few astronomy courses, but I don't remember. I'm just curious. So how long is a day in Mars? Uh, oh, no, it's actually slightly long. It's one day and 37 minutes. That's actually shockingly close to an Earth day. <laughs> yeah, very close. <laughs> that is very, very close. Okay. Yeah. Something about, I don't know, when the planets were formed, I guess, they just were in, were in lock with each other. <laughs> uh, well, I'm assuming a day on the big gas giants is way longer. Yes. That's a lot of planet to yes. spin around. <laughs> well, yeah, and plus... Uh, the Neptune or Uranus that spins backwards. One of them spins the other way. I didn't even realize the rest of them. Well, all Uranus spins on its side. I didn't realize that the rest all span in the same direction. I thought it was yeah, normal. Yeah, they all just... do, except okay. for one. There's one planet that doesn't. I think it's. I think it might be Neptune. Okay, interesting. One of them is that has a retrograde rotation. I did not know that. Uh,. Yeah, it's because it was all formed at the same time. All, all yeah. the whole solar system was formed at the same time, so everything, all the gas was moving, this, and the rocks and stuff were all moving in the same direction. Space is fun, you know what? You know, uh, astronomy is. Uh... Yeah, I loved it. I mean, it's been a long time since I've taken any astronomy course. Yeah, but the, yeah. Obviously, I was big into it when I was young, and I got into it in community college, and then when it came to actual like college <laughs> i i had been out of school for a while and i just so intimidated by yeah. taking physics as a major and i went i don't think so i don't think i could do that <laughs> no it's a, it's a it's interesting stuff but uh yeah yeah so uh but yeah so my, my critique of this scene is that it kind of does that like it feels the need to do you know, so i'll compare it to and this is a scene in interstellar but also other movies as you are when they're explaining the black hole and they do the fold in the paper to show, like, going from one space and time to another. The event horizon method? Yeah, right? I feel like this is the equivalent of that where uh, Donald Glover goes to explain his plan. But for some reason, even though he's in a room of people who work at NASA, he feels the need to have people stand up and pretend to be planets to explain his... I'm like, I feel like these people will understand the plan yeah exactly <laughs> it's like the director of nasa and the head of like the flight you know the flight director or whatever these two people will understand <laughs> what you're trying to say yeah. to them <laughs> well he, he is using Kristen wig who i guess doesn't understand science i mean she, she's the pr person people. sure but like i just i feel like i don't know if this needed the visual for the dum-dums in the audience as much as maybe the script thought they did you yeah, know i agree uh, but you know, it's just yeah, they slingshot but around there. <laughs> yeah. He's he's very quirky. Yes, I love that you always use Interstellar as an example for the Event Horizon thing, even though it's an Event Horizon moment. Because Which I like that. Quirky. I like that movie more. It's that simple. <laughs> they also do it on Agents of Shield when they're dealing with uh, time traveling after Event Horizon. <laughs> is Event Horizon the first one to do the fold in the paper thing? I'm not convinced it is. Uh, in movies. You don't know that. You don't, you can't say that with authority. Look, we've watched a lot of sci-fi movies. <laughs> yeah, but we've not seen all the sci-fi movies. I, <laughs> I'm not ready to just throw it in and say, no, Paul Anderson gets to claim this. Paul W.S. Anderson. Yeah. Fuck Paul W.S. Anderson. No. <laughs> it wasn't an instruction. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to be clear with me, okay? <laughs> What the, why would I tell you to sexually get involved with a director I don't like? That's the weirdest possible reading of that sentence that you could have possibly had. I just, you know, 
Me and Drax, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, So, yeah. uh, So, basically, Jeff Dials is like, okay, this is the safer plan for them to go back and get him. But he doesn't want to risk the rest of the crew. It could be a bigger nightmare if they risk everyone. But Sean Bean's thing is like, look, maybe this is up to the crew. This is up to them if they want to risk their lives. Uh, And it's not really that much of a risk to them, really. Like, you know, they're relatively safe doing this. It's it's more just that they're going to be in space for another 500 days, they said, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so like... But, you know, so Sean Bean does a sneaky sneaky. He he basically leaks a text message to, to the crew and be like, this is what's happening. Make your choice. So they agree unanimously. Your Chastain's not going to pull ranks. She's like, we have to, you know, every one of us has to agree to do this. And like, yeah, we're going to go save him. Let's do it. So they, 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 they speed up. There's a very brief discussion, but I think everybody has their mind made up from the beginning of like, we understand the risks. Let's go get him. Which I think is supposed to be kind of the heartwarming part of it is that she's like saying, no, let's slow down and actually talk about it before we all say yes, even though you feel like everyone in the room is already to say yes. Yeah. But like they, they point out, here's the, they're, the they're, reasons. They're humoring her until yeah. they can give their answer of yes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So like, I think it's, it's a fun enough scene and they, it means that they have some agency, which is nice uh, in their, you know, in their decision. So... They force NASA's hand, and then of course, like the PR is like, "Yes, we decided this was the best course of action." Because he says that, like Jeff Dale says, oh, "We're, we're going to tell them that this was our plan," but it's like it wasn't. Like the crew just <laughs> did this, and you, now you're going to like tell the world that that's that this was our, this was our decision. We decided to do this. Yep. So, so good, 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 all good fun. Um, so, uh, and it's around here after they get the supplies from Earth that there's a seven month time jump to when. You know, they're going to be coming up on when uh, this is going to happen. You know, basically Matt Damon has to go to the launch vehicle for the next ship because they send some stuff in advance so it's not all coming with the crew. So there's actually like a launch, uh, like, what, EV, I think they called it? Um, yeah, the escape vessel. There you go. Uh, <laughs> is that what it actually stands for or are you just guessing? I don't think so. Okay. But... Anyway, so he has to make this big journey, so he's sleeping in the rover, and he's pulling out the panels, and he's recharging it, and he's traveling. Um, obviously, this is the part of the movie where they do some interesting stuff where they see that he's lost a lot of weight, because he's been eating nothing but a, a small amount of potatoes each day for months, so he naturally is very skinny now, and yeah, because obviously... Yeah, teeth are just loaded with plaque, and obviously it's not the like potatoes are great but you need more in your diet to actually be healthy (laughs) so (laughs) yeah you know although surprisingly you can live a long time on just potatoes just like a white potato oh sure well it's probably also that he's not eating like if if you if he if he could eat as many as he wanted to each day he'd probably be in better shape than he is yeah he just has a caloric deficit of quite a lot yeah so but he's in good spirits he's He's listening to some of that disco music. Uh, so <laughs> who knows? Maybe he even likes it. Honestly, my, uh, <laughs> so as much as I've like had a couple of things, like oh, some general ideas that maybe could have just nudged the movie in an even better direction for me, right? But they're they're fairly minor. They're just like sort of little suggestions. There is mm-hmm. one moment I think they they don't focus on enough that I, I'm going to critique here. Is I feel like they just kind of like like just rush past 
the first time Mark hears another human's voice for the first time in like three years. And I think yeah. that's a mistake because the ship. I would have liked him crying. Yeah, it, it does cry a little bit after, but it, it doesn't feel like it feels like they've already spoken to each other, and this is just like them confirming the plan now. But because the, you know, the ship's in orbit, so they can communicate now via comms. And he's in this vessel, and he's had to strip all the weight out of it because it's too heavy to get high enough into the. Yeah, it's just a shell with a, again the tarp. <laughs> yes, just the tarp. Uh, he's as he calls it a convertible. He's, he's going to space in a convertible. Um, <laughs> it's, it's actually a great scene when they're explaining to Chill Legion for like they have to take all they this... have they have a model representation yeah. of everything. They're like, okay, first you take this, and then you can remove this. We don't really need this because they're not going all this far. It's just one guy. Yeah, so the, crew, the, the chairs. Yeah, the chairs can and you're go. Like, okay, so you're just like it's just now an empty vessel. Like there's nothing inside it. Yeah. Like, and then you gotta remove the panels and this panel and then well, also the top of the ship <laughs> well no but there's a specific line that i really like where he reacts badly to they say like the the navigation because they're going to let someone else like they're going to let uh, uh pena fly it remotely from yeah. the ship and he's like oh and he starts complaining about that and like bed long's just like uh we're not even at the bad part yet <laughs> <laughs> and he's like also we get have the to bar stuff <laughs> basically take what like 80 percent of the metal off of the ship <laughs> yes he's gonna have <laughs> to the launch exterior of the ship into space with no like hull effectively uh <laughs> yeah it's wonderful stuff uh, so but now like they're, they're talking about the plan and then he responds to them and i thought like shouldn't he be like breaking down in tears because he's not heard a human voice it's not his own and like yeah. however many months and, and years and it's a familiar voice too yeah, yeah. I, I felt like there should there should have really played a moment here where he hears a voice for the first time and it's just a moment of like tears of happiness because he hears someone yeah like, no, I, I, really, I agree I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was like a missed opportunity at this particular point but you know uh, you know he is emotional he, he's nervous he's scared uh, all the rest of it so yeah they launch him up out of space and uh, obviously, he blacks out from the G force because like twelve Gs or something he's launched at. And there's a lot of talk <laughs> of the velocity and like uh, how far away he is and like how fast they were moving and all that. And this is where I feel like they add in like some extra things that I felt like they did this whole bit where oh to try and get the ship to move over there without using too much of a fuel because we need that to get home. Uh, we're going to blow open an airlock and let the you know the force of that like move us over. And I I, I just I, I sat here this time watching it going. That's all just feels like a bit like we don't need all this. Like just <laughs> I agree. This is just the once once you strip the 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 pod that he has to launch in to the little the literal like skeletal remains of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was enough. And then yeah. going from there and getting onto the ship like them like timing things right was also important. Like it would be would be a, like white knuckle enough for me. I mean, it didn't need to have all this extra problems and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, I, I get the argument might be, well, it gives all the different members of the crew their moments, but... It's like, true, they all have to, like, sacrifice you know, even more. The, the chemist has to make a bomb, uh, it shows, you know, uh, the captain making a, a sacrifice to go and, like, do the, do the spacewalk herself to try and grab him. Um, you got a little bit of a, a love story happening as, like, background. Yeah, so the, the Stan and Amara apparently are a thing, and we see them in the epilogue. They've got a baby, so yeah, I guess they're just a thing. So okay, I mean, they spent a lot of time together in a very small space. I, maybe they would. They're both attractive, so I guess they would <laughs> just spark a romance naturally. And also single, whereas the others all seem to have like 
you know, spouses back home and kids yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So uh, escape relationship. <laughs> so the uh, we have this big scene where he's like, you know, he's, he's he cuts his suit open to like, you know, make himself fly towards Chastain, and Chastain's on the tether in the little space chair, you know, with the little thrusters that are, you know, so. And that that this is the scene it's where I'm like, like a Spock at the end of the motion picture. It's just it's it's very Hollywood. This I, I feel this moment. This is where it feels like it sort of leaves the grounded yeah. part of the movie, and it's just like okay, now we're just doing like the big cinematic moment where they try to grab each other in space, and I'm like, it's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but it's, I definitely don't like it as much as I, I think it is a bit much. Yeah, the rest of it, but um, but still though, like you're happy when they finally get a hold of each other, and the first thing he says is your music sucks. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know. Um, I do like when they're actually flying like towards each other, and we get his POV shot of Jessica Chastain, and then she's like an angel reaching out to him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, shout out to uh, my comics co-host Matt, who has uh, a massive crush on Chastain and would leave his wife in a heartbeat for her. He probably <laughs> felt that watching this. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they all hug him when he gets on board, and everyone's happy. Uh, we see, like, you know, the world is watching. Times Square is watching. Like, the crowd in China is watching. And mm-hmm. what's funny is, obviously, they do point out that everything is, like, on a 24-minute delay from when it actually happens. But, obviously, it's edited as if they're watching it live as it happens so they can share at the right time and all that. But it is yeah. quite funny to think that, oh, no, they're <laughs> actually waiting 20 minutes and then they're oh, yeah. cheering. <laughs> yep. I love that. Oh, it gave me a chuckle. Um, so... The ending of the movie is that uh, Mark now, you know, teaches the young astronaut recruits, right? And he's got that little moment where he sees, like, a, a little leaf growing and it, you know, makes him think back to when his first potato plant started to, to blossom. And I, I, one of the little details I liked about this, actually, is that when the scene starts and he's just his head, uh, he, he brings up a coffee cup and it's, you know, it's like a Starbucks-looking cup with a plastic top. And it's, like, it's much like the end of Castaway. It's like, Here's just this simple, easy thing you can do on Earth that he just didn't have access to for, you know, Even years. Coffee, you know, yeah. I'm sure that was the thing that he missed. You know, I, I just I don't know if it was an intentional choice, but that type of cup is just the most like franchise. It was generic, but it's the most franchise, mass-produced, like you know, thing. Like it, you know, it's, it's such a it's the polar opposite of growing your own potatoes is getting this from a, a coffee store. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so. Uh, but he goes in and he's he's got his students and he basically gives them the thesis of the movie, which is, you know, you're going to feel like you're going to die, but, you know, you keep solving problems, you solve enough, you how get to you, come home. Yeah, how do you science the shit out of it? <laughs> yes, yes, to use his own words from earlier. And, yeah, so, like, it's a really nice thing. And then, you know, the movie ends with, like, uh, them launching, like, the credits play out as they're launching the Ares 5 and... Uh, China's like co-launching this with them and the world's came together because they've all united over bringing Mark Yay. home. <laughs> he he ended a p- future potential uh, Cold War, I guess. <laughs> yep, so it was a good thing he was stranded. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not that far in the future because, it, you know, they bring up uh, Pathfinder and it's like, here's the people who actually were working at NASA and they're not that old, relatively yeah. speaking. So, you know. We're not, we're not too far in the future. I don't know. Did they ever give a year? I don't, I don't think I noticed a year. Um, If they did, I didn't notice it yeah. either. But it would be like not too distant, like 10 years or something, right? Yeah. From 
where whenever it came out. Uh, yeah, it's probably intentionally just like we won't put a number on it because then it's just oh, you know, not not too distant future. Keep it vague. Keep it nice and vague. You know, it's it's one of those sort of things. If we ever actually do have a mission that goes to Mars, it's kind of funny how all these movies set in the near future where because. See, see when um you know Apollo thirteen right that movie I would not call that a sci fi movie because it's not they, yes they go to space but it's there's something that actually happens so it's not sci fi yeah, right of course. I do think it's interesting that in the future if we do start going to Mars there's going to be this weird thing where a lot of movies imagined this and they're still sci fi because they were fake when it, when they made them but then we may actually overlap and get to the point where it's become a real thing that we actually yeah. did go to mars well i mean we experience that all the time watching the classic twilight zone where they're constantly talking about going to space and going to the moon and that's stuff true like that. yeah yeah you know what what will happen yeah what's what are the dangers of going there we don't know like i, we... I feel like we get um like specific technology like, you know there's a lot of things in the old sci-fi that are, are basically smartphones and it's like oh that's kind of fun that we've got to that point where we have this now but i feel like yeah like th- that's very true the stuff that was made before the moon landing where that became a true thing but i don't mm-hmm. know if there's anything big like that since then that's like really changed in the world where sci-fi it, like has been like left in the dust by the real world in that way so, and i'm thinking like going to mars would probably be the next big one either yeah. that or maybe flying cars if we ever get flying cars i don't know that's it we'll, yeah we'll i do- mean the communicators from star trek were like the big one i mean maybe we'll get like a holodeck before we even go to mars oh um, uh, it's very possible <laughs> i although to be fair we do have self-driving cars which is quite that's something you see in a lot of like sci-fi futuristic cities and stuff yeah total recall and we have like them but they're not standard Oh, yeah. um, I I was walking around Holiday yesterday or Hollywood yesterday, and I saw a robot. I saw a robot. There are robots. It yep. was a delivery robot. It, it was just a box with eyes and a little flag, and it was wheeling <laughs> around. And I pointed and I screamed, "Robot!" And <laughs> which is, un- yeah, it's in Hollywood. Like, there's nothing you can do that's weird in Hollywood <laughs> um, public. But I was so excited challenge accepted i just i I love i love that we live in the future and there's just robots that walking around the street with us crossing the road we didn't have to start adding robot crossing signs it's this it's the future we're in it i'm just so happy about that do you believe in future stories because you're in one so (laughs) reference to a Pirates of the Caribbean movie that I've not seen, but the trailer played a million times before it came out, so... You best start believing in future stories. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah, I, like, I think the movie has a really solid heart, because it's this guy who's trying... Because this could easily be a tale... Hold, hold on. What? Have you never seen the Pirates of the Caribbean movie? I've seen the first one, maybe the second. What is the first one? Not that one, no. That, that line's not from the first movie. You best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one? I'm sure that's at least the third movie, because there was a later That's trailer. Barbosa. It's Barbosa that says it in the first one. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, you may go back to what you're saying. <laughs> Good luck Thank remembering you. it. <laughs> Thank you. No, this could easily be, like... Uh, like a, like a struggles and like difficult story like you know because like, compared to gravity from a couple of years before this gravity it's not like an ultra uh like depressing movie or anything but it's definitely more serious than this where it's this woman on her own struggling and problem solving 
Mm-hmm. Whereas this goes with the like, no, he's keeping his spirits up, and he has to try and like keep himself mentally in a, in a in a good place. But then you've also got the heart of it, which is that everyone comes together to try and help him. Not just his crew, not just NASA, but like other countries start coming, to, like working with NASA to help him. Uh, it's like a really idealist movie, like like a happy future where we'll we'll all come together to help someone, and you know. Yeah, like I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, not too long ago when we got a movie about it last year, about the kids in Thailand that were stuck in the cave. And, you know, so mm-hmm. many people were invested in this and wanted to, to assist however they can. And, I mean, obviously there was the whole Elon Musk thing that happened. But, like, for the most part, like, everybody was wanted to help, you know, whatever we could do to save them. Yeah, yeah. Uh... It, it's the idea that these types of situations can bring people together because we can have a happy ending if we actually fight for it and save, you know, try and save the day. Um, and unlike, you know, other situations where, like, the, things are preventable, you know, this is something where no one was doing anything wrong. This was, this was like, complete happenstance. This was just a sad, like, set of events that led to this this happening. But it makes it, you know, like... It's almost like any time it almost could be politicized of like, should we try and help Mark or not? It's like the human kindness side wins out. And it's like, yeah. even Jeff Daniels, who's there to make the tough calls and be the cold hearted one at times, never feels like he's just trying to be a dick. And he still seems relieved when they're they're getting wins and they're they're figuring things out. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, it's good. Um, so, yeah. Leave no man behind. I mean, ultimately, that's the <laughs> that's the movie. Yeah, it's just a movie about hope and optimism and working together. It's yeah. It's, it's a. It was definitely a, the feel good movie of the year when I saw it. it which surprised. is which is why it, there's a lot of comedy in it too. Like you want to keep it light. Yeah. It is very feel good, right? I could do with it being a little less feel good at times. Like I want it to be feel good at the end, and I want the. The character stepping up to help him to feel good that should always feel good but it would feel even better if like he felt like he was in real shit like you know mm-hmm. at times and there's moments of it and stuff but I-, I could do with just a little bit more of that uh just to you know make it feel like he's he's in real jeopardy but you know like yeah i mean you know i know he he has to talk himself talk to himself con- constantly to like keep his spirits up you know but yeah having those really vulnerable moments like the first time he's able to communicate with someone or even hear another human voice after over a year yeah I don't, um, honestly you know, that they makes it seem like oh he had to like talk himself up because yeah. it really was inside of him the whole time this like pessimism that could have killed him that that moment uh they sort of gloss over of him hearing a voice again for the first time i do think is the biggest mistake the movie makes and you know, it's I, the one... actually, I do remember in the book that happening, and it was much more of a bigger deal. Yeah, much I, more emotional. I, I think that is a, that, that was just a, a mistake, but it, it you know it, it doesn't ruin anything. Obviously, so much of it's so good that it's it, it's not a big deal. But it's the one thing that sticks out when I watch it, where I'm like, <laughs> you made a mistake there with with this choice. This is a creative choice that I can't get behind. But uh, yeah, like the movie is very easy to watch it's you know it's, it's two hours and 20 minutes but it honestly it kind of flies in once it gets going it doesn't feel like it drags at any point totally it's um, great pacing it's all it's always interesting what's going on on top of just the actual entertainment and caring about the characters and all the rest of it so no it's uh it's, it's 
it's a great movie and it, it proved that Ridley Scott still got it in him when he's got a good script to work from. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I almost lost lost hope, but I, like Ben, uh, Ben, Mark, Mark <laughs> Watney, I had to find the optimism to believe in Ridley Scott and that he could do it. Yeah, and you know, obviously this was, I mean, this came out in 2015. This was the same year that Mackenzie Davis was in San Junipero, the Black Mirror episode. So she, this is just her kind of like blossoming onto the, the yeah. movie scene. And then she did the Terminator and then... Nothing. I, I don't know what else she's been. <laughs> I'm she sure she's done other. stuff, but she was in um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Oh, she did do Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're being dismissive just because you don't know what she's been in. I think she's been in plenty of stuff. I'm sure, but like I haven't yeah. really seen her in movies. But maybe I just haven't watched the movies she's done because it's not like if she's not doing sci-fi or horror, then I'm probably not watching. Yeah, she's she's constantly working. I, I I think you're just like she's in that Station Eleven TV show recently. Yeah, I figured uh, probably television. She's deleted that. Um, she was in Tully. Uh, she played a character apparently in Gears of War Five. <laughs> so fair enough. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's she's constantly working. Um, but yeah, I I guess we can rate the movie. Um, it's uh, it's good. It's good. Yeah. So good movie it's uh it's got a very clear focus of what it wants to be and i think it it delivers and i think the cinematography is just gorgeous you know mars can be very dull looking uh, on the pictures that i've seen of the actual mars (laughs) but they do a really good job of just like you know really taking in the vistas and um making it seem like making it seem alien still you know like deaf you look at it you're like that's nowhere on earth you know even though it's just sand and yeah. rocks but um it, you know i think it's just a really um it's just a really well executed film with uh, a strong cast strong lead and uh, not what not what i would ex- the kind of movie i expected from ridley scott even like even the the trailer that came out it focused a lot on like the the constant you know peril he was in and not the optimism side and i remember thinking like oh it's going to be like a a bummer of a movie to watch but it looks cool um so but yeah i i, I think it's a really great film and i'll give it a nine yeah uh what, one of the things i you know we talked about is like dad humor and stuff but like there's a couple of things that he gets he, he gets nerdy and excited about uh throughout uh like technically he's a space pirate because he's taking this ship and mars mm-hmm. counts as uh international waters because they're not allowed to claim anything on mars uh, and then earlier on as well, because he's grown some crops, that technically that constitutes colonization. So he has mm-hmm. colonized Mars. Like just these little technicalities that he's that he's yeah. enjoying. And I, I love that he's, uh, you know, sort of sharing this with people at NASA. And NASA like doesn't need any explanations because they're all nerds. And they're like, yeah, well, technically it's international waters. <laughs> yeah. So no, like those are very they all endearing. have the same nerd humor. Those are very endearing qualities that he has. It's easy to like him. Um, and did, did it remind you a little bit of Rocket Man when he was talking about being the first to do everything on Mars? Not one bit. Oh, interesting. Didn't even pop it in my head. Uh, I mean, if well, I, was... I don't know. Like, I, I do hate it when movies make me think of better movies, but like, oh, shut up. They're both pretty strong films. 
if, if anything, there's maybe even a critique here that not a single character shows a little bit of a negative side at any point. <laughs> like maybe that is a valid critique. Everyone's is that perfect. Everyone's just too nice and likable. Like there's no no one at any point <laughs> makes like a a mistake. Not not like a a mistake that did the math wrong, but a mistake where you know they make a choice that's kind of mean or something, and then like have to like regret it or or something. You know. I guess maybe Jeff Daniels, uh, but that's. Yeah. But you understand the decisions he's making. Yeah. Because that, that wouldn't take away from everyone coming together. If anything, it might even just make it stronger because it's like, oh, someone who seemed like they might go the other way has come on board because he's been inspired mm-hmm. by the optimism or whatever. You know, like, yeah. So that, that maybe that is a small critique you can give it as well. But still, the movie, like you say, it is what it is. It knows what it wants to achieve. And on that premise, that's why the one critique I'll give it is glossing over the first time he hears a voice again because it feels so weird to just skim past that but uh with all that said i will give it a very strong eight out of ten what oh nothing there's a little noise i feel like you were judging i feel like you're uh well i just i i rated it on letterbox already and i saw that you already had a different rating on there so i'm like oh it went down (laughs) things can change It's, it's been what eight years since this came out actually mine went up because i i had it at eight out of ten and then after this watch i'm like no oh, i'm gonna give it the nine i think I, it is quite good i think it's a very very solid eight out of ten i recommend it it's it's great it's weird that you hate it so much now this time oh around. shut up <sighs> i thought you would have more optimism leaving the film but <laughs> It's a great score. I, what are you complaining about? I'm not complaining. I'm Just not, observations. I'm not handing out nines and tens willy-nilly like you, okay? Well, apparently you used to hand out a nine to this one. <laughs> Shut up. Stop fact-checking what I gave movies years ago. <laughs> Things change, okay? Especially when you rewatch them. Yeah, I agree. I'm... Mine went up from eight to, yeah. t- to nine. So you should check what I've what I rated Rocket Man and what it's still at. See mm. see if that changes up or down over the years. I was thinking actually, I was talking about Rocket Man uh, the other day with people. Uh, yesterday, actually, I was talking about Rocket Man as I often do. Poor bastards. And uh, <laughs> they were like the the Elton John movie. I'm like, no, the Disney movie. And my <laughs> sister was like, yeah, that movie's great. I'm like, I know. So. Mm whatever mental problems you have running the family it seems <laughs> and she started thinking he's got the whole world in his head like, <laughs> it's, genetic. <laughs> it's genetic it's <laughs> genetic oh. I feel like we should wrap up because I can hear John Mulaney in the other room I think my roommates are starting to watch stuff loud <laughs> well I, th- I, th- I think we are done to be fair yes yeah. so the next time we're back to Transformers with Age of Extinction look forward to that because we're not um, you can of course support all the content over at patreon.com slash TV and get access to bonus episodes every month and the Ace Meltdown at the $5 tier which is a show where Ooh. we just talk about all the movies we, we've been watching we're going to record a new one soon so be ready we are yep yep uh, be ready so. with those with those dollars aye <laughs> <laughs> we should we just we hear should, what we've been watching we should just get you to do an ad read that I can play in the middle of the show <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to find me first <laughs> <laughs> oh okay that's the show everyone thank you very much for joining us keep watching science fiction and computer 
ad seltzer.